0: And uh, this is a workshop, and at this time, I'd like to turn it over to Mildred. Like
1: Carl said last night, that came faster than I expected. My name is Mildred, and I'm a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, everybody. If you look on the program, it says Ray V is doing this workshop. You wouldn't believe I'm Ray V in drag, would you? (laughs) I was asked to do this workshop just a short time ago and haven't really had a great deal of time to put it together, but I'm here to share some things with you that I really believe in. So I know that um, you do not know who I am because I do not speak till tomorrow morning. So I suppose you're wondering who I am, what perspective I come from, what my experience of sobriety has been, and why I believe in the things that I believe in so passionately. I came to Alcoholics Anonymous the first time in November of 1966. My dry date, however, is May the 18th, 1977, and that should tell you something about how this program has impacted my life. I'm one of those who had to be badly mangled before I got sober. I'm one of those who came here in a state of pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. I'm one of those who came here with nothing. I was out of everything by the time I got here. And uh, I'm one of those, too, who had tried many solutions. I had tried alcohol. I had tried drugs. I had tried 15 years in a convent. I had tried men, not concurrently, I might say. (laughs) I had tried sex as a solution, money, education. I really believed there had to be something out there that was going to make me okay. I tried controlling. I'm sure none of you ever did. No, I tried manipulating, pouting, rage. A few tears on occasion were very good. It's a real party stopper, I can tell you. None of this really worked. It only seemed to be a solution. And eventually, all these means of trying to get a life that I was happy with turned on me. But what happened was that through the experiences of life, I found a solution that works. And I found it right here in AA. And I didn't find it immediately. I think the solution is something that we find as we are ready. And when we come here... I don't think we're ready to hear the kinds of things and do the kinds of things that perhaps we're ready to do when we're 28 years sober. So, when I chose the title for this workshop, I thought, what is it that I really want to talk about? And that's what I want to talk about. There is a solution that works. I thought back to my days in in university when I was taking advanced math and we had a very wonderful teacher. And what this teacher really insisted that we know, like he taught us the various solutions, the various formula that we, the formulae that we could apply to situations. But he always said, you have to know the problem before you can apply the solution. And once you know the problem, then you can determine which of a number of solutions you want to apply. And that's kind of how I think this thing works. In the uh, 12 and 12, this is what it says. See, I think we have a solution that is comprised of three legacies. We have the solution of unity, recovery, and service. And I always have to look in my life and see, are they somewhat balanced? Because I think there's a tendency to do all the work on recovery, sometimes forget about service, and sometimes forget about uh, the traditions. I know we talk. Is certainly in Toronto, we talk an awful lot about the steps. We don't talk nearly as much about the traditions. So I really am going to confine because I don't have, you know, um, a whole afternoon. Thank you. You're saying thank goodness, perhaps. But in the big, in the twelve and twelve, it says this. It says the twelve steps are a set of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced on a regular basis, as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. Now, I'm sure you've read that many times, too. What I'm focusing on is that these are principles spiritual in their nature. I know the 12 steps work, and you probably know it in your own way. I believe they work on a consistent basis, and they work on any problem. I think what interferes sometimes with us seeing that is that we expect instant results we live in a society addicted to fast don't we fast food fast communication fast cars fast men the faster the better now that really doesn't necessarily apply to the men it's just an expression that we have The faster the better, and I say, well, what is that about? Where are we going? We move so fast we get there, and then we move on to the next thing. But I think it affects the mindset, certainly, at which we come to the program. I know I thought, gee, I've done this three times. Why am I not fixed? You know, it didn't take me three times to form bad habits, and it's certainly not going to take me three three changes to bring about the changes in my life that I wish. I think, too, that we sometimes expect the laws of life that apply on the human plane to apply on the spiritual plane. And I don't believe it's so. Human logic is linear. Human logic, you learn one thing, and then you learn another, and then you learn another, and you do that with the intellect. Spiritual stuff, you don't learn that way. If you want to see the face of God, watch out, because that's an energy unto itself. And I I trust, I tell you, If you want to see the face of God, it will take you, and it will take you places you hadn't expected to go. And sometimes you'll be asked to do things you don't want to do, but it will take you. I believe that this is a God deal. I believe that it's not therapy. Therapy, I believe, has its place, but I think the problem with therapy is that it treats part of the person. And we're whole people, and when you leave out the spiritual dimension, you leave out a very important part. I believe that it's not about dealing with fragments. It's not about dealing with the inner child, and the victim, and all the abuse, and the boundaries, and the issues, and all that stuff. Because what's wrong with me is something that's much more holistic. All those things may need to be dealt with, but what needs to be really dealt with is I need to find out who I am. I believe this is not self-help, and I believe also that its purpose is not to give me self-esteem. What I do think is that if these principles are practiced on a daily basis, I will get self-worth. I will get self-respect, and I will find out who I truly am and that I can live with, well, as the book says happy, joyous, and free. The key is, I think we must do the steps. The steps are kind of like penicillin. You do not have to understand penicillin. You do not have to like penicillin. You do not have to know its chemical composition. You do not even have to believe it works. What you have to do is take it. And if you take penicillin and it works, you get a cure. And then you can go to somebody else who has whatever it is they have, and you can say, I had this disease, I took this penicillin and I got a cure, and now nothing's going to drop off or be permanently damaged, and that's the way it works. When we do the steps, I think there's a parallel. I don't have to understand the steps. I don't have to like the steps. I don't have to talk eloquently about the steps. I don't have to know the spiritual history of the steps. I don't even have to believe they will work. What I have to do is do the steps. And if I do the steps, then what will happen? I will get a daily reprieve. I won't get a cure from alcoholism. What I will get is recovery. And it says in the book, I will have a daily reprieve dependent on my spiritual condition. The fact is the steps work. Talking about doing the steps... I think brings up the issue of sponsorship. I think there was a time in my life where I believed that I had to have a sponsor I could identify with. I don't believe that anymore. I think I need a sponsor that I will follow. I need a sponsor who has walked the path through the jungle before me, who knows where the snakes and the spiders are, who knows where I can get into trouble, And who can steer me around that? And somebody that I respect enough that I will follow that person. Uh, When I was sober a year, my first sponsor got drunk. And I uh, got another sponsor eventually because for a little while I thought, well, I'm so different. You know, I, I can't find anybody I can identify with. And then I saw a man who had been sober a long time in the program, and I figured he was he was strong enough that he wouldn't let me bully him and he wouldn't let me get away with anything and that was exactly the case and that man took you know showed me the path through the jungle and that's what i think is our responsibility after we have gone through the jungle and walked that way to help other people to to walk through that it seems to me that the big book is really divinely inspired one of those books that you read and read and the more you read it the more true it becomes and you never see everything that's in it isn't that true and what I believe is also that it's it really cleverly draws you in because what it seems to offer is an easy reasonable solution to alcoholism but what it's really drawing you into is a a profound, life-changing experience. The preamble, which we just heard read, says that our purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. You know, you can look at that, and you can say, yes, I can do that, and I'll bet you there are newcomers who have said that. I can stay sober if I come here, and I can help others, and what you then have is a program consisting of Step 1 and the second part of Step 12 and that's not recovery there's nothing innocent about that statement that to stay sober because staying sober I believe implies enormous changes the implications are far-reaching you need a hundred and eighty degree turnaround that's what Dr. Silkworth said that's what Dr. Thibault said that's what's written throughout the entire book this is a big deal this is about big changes you know, it reminds me of a little story that I heard about the little guy who woke up in the middle of the night and he had a sore, he had a toothache. And he called his mother and said, I want an aspirin. She got him an aspirin. The next day, he was called out of school. His mother had made a, a, an appointment for him at the dentist. And what happened was, he went to the dentist, they found 14 cavities. And before he knew it, he had 10 appointments with the dentist, and all he had asked for was an aspirin. And I think many of us, we come here and all we really want is to stay sober, or we want some, but something fixed in our lives, and what we wind up with is four, 10 appointments at the dentist to get 14 cavities filled. But I think that's the way it is. The, um, later on in the big book, it says the problem has been removed. You know, if you look, it's the passive voice something is done to us you see because what i think this program does to us it takes us squarely into a spiritual experience that's really what it is so no no um spiritual condition no sobriety you may be not drinking but in itself that is not sobriety you may be busy in aa just like i was for years but in itself that is not sobriety I think AA is getting so big now that there's so much going on that we can begin to judge our sobriety by how much we do, how much activity we we take on, how many meetings we go to. The program is really about getting out of self, isn't it? The problem is self and it's about getting out of self. And I speak for myself. I can be in this program and I can look good on the outside. By that standard, because I'm going to lots of meetings, I'm doing lots of stuff, I'm busy. But you know, I can be dying inside. And there was a time in my life where precisely that was going on. Because you can be busy and it can be serving you rather than being out of self serving others. I know Bill says in the book, you know, get out of self by serving others. I'm not saying one or the other. What I'm saying is there are many dimensions to this business of sobriety. The complete solution, I think, really looks at the spiritual life, the spiritual journey. You know, you've seen this, and I've seen it. People walking around in Alcoholics Anonymous, and you'd swear they've got it made. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty 30 years. And one day they sit down in front of a train. Or they, they take their gun and, and, and blow their heads off. Or they drive their car into the garage. You've seen it, I've seen it. And you say, what's wrong? How did this happen? And I think that along with that outside, the inside has to be looked at. That's all I'm saying. Um, I know that from experience because at 21 years I plan to commit suicide. See, I think sobriety and recovery for an alcoholic, absolutely is based on abstinence. But I believe also that the real quintessence of sobriety, the pure form, is spiritual growth, spiritual awakening. And the paradox is this. You can't have one without the other. You can't have abstinence without spiritual growth on a permanent basis, and you can't have spiritual growth without abstinence. So I've had a few things. I've used that word spiritual. We talk about a spiritual program. We talk about a spiritual awakening. We talk about a spiritual experience. What is that really? What are we talking about? In that portion that I I started with from the 12 and 12, it says the steps are principles spiritual in their nature. There are lots of ways I think that we can define spiritual. But the simplest that I can find that I can put together from my own experience is this it's taking care of the inside getting it right on the inside seeing in a new way one of my teachers told me this he said you are not here to set the world right you are here to see it right the Greeks called this metanoia See, even in Alcoholics Anonymous, that's not our job. My job is not to set you right. You may be sitting there saying, what is this woman talking to us about? That's fine. I'm here to share what I believe in, to share what I have experienced about this process of being sober, about the solution that works, about the spiritual way of life. Because I came here out of everything, and I had to find something that was going to make it possible for me to live even to stay alive on the planet, let alone be happy, joyous, and free. And so I'm not here to set you right. I'm here to, to just share some things, and if it's helpful to you, that's good. But my role, I think, on the planet is to see it right, because when I see it different, I change. And as I have been an Alcoholics Anonymous, and I have seen it different, I have changed things eventually have turned around and i can tell you today that i am a person who is happy joyous and free and it was not so for a lot of years package there's part of me that is made out of god and that part knows the truth that part says yes you may not understand it but that part says yes to this idea of spiritual growth that the soul grows by subtraction and so on but he said the problem is there's also that other part of me that says me, me, me what about me? why do you have to always talk about God? let's get on with the me stuff I want to hear more of that and it depends on which one you look to it's interesting you know when you look at the songs we sing how many of them talk about going home especially the old western songs I want to go home there's one song uh, just to quote a line from it says poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world think about that a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world so we have not got here a lasting city so what are we doing here then You know, that's, I think, such a crucial question. What am I doing here? Why am I here? Who am I? What is this journey really about? So much of us, I think, so many times, we feel something is missing, that I need to go looking for something. I always felt like an alien. Anybody here feel like that? As if you probably were dropped on the wrong planet You know, the stork made a mistake and you shouldn't have been here and heaven knows you don't belong in the family you're in and all that, you know, those kinds of feelings. St. Augustine, in the 3rd century, he put it this way. He said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. I know that's the old religious terminology, but in our book it says we are are restless, irritable, and discontented until we can again experience the ease and comfort that we get from taking this alcohol, which gives us this feeling of oneness, which gives us this feeling of being okay. You know, it's a wonderful day when you come to the place in life where you feel as if all the pieces are finally brought together and you experience that feeling, I'm okay I'm okay, I'm one, I'm, I'm, I'm not scattered anymore around the planet. That's, I think, really what spirituality is about. I'm sure that many of you knew Chuck Chamberlain, or some of you certainly would have known Chuck. Wasn't he a fabulous fellow? When I first got sober, Chuck was still alive, and Chuck used to come out to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, where I was at the time. And Chuck used to say to me, because he knew that I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I was sitting there for five and a half years stoned, and Chuck would try to help me, and Chuck would draw that circle that he was so so famous for. I hear some people laughing out there because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And he'd say, you know, this is all about wholeness, and you have chosen to put yourself out there. You believe you're separate, and that's what's wrong with you. And in your separation, you have created darkness and loneliness and fear and all the stuff that doesn't work in your life. And then he'd say this. Remember, I'm stoned. And he's saying to me, you already are everything that you can be. You know, I mean, my, if my eyes were glazed over before, you can trust they glazed over another, another uh, few inches. And uh, he'd say, you already know everything that you can know. And I'd say, Chuck, what are you talking about? He said, someday, Mildred, you'll know. He said, you're going to get sober one of these days. And one of these days you're going to get this, take this program seriously and you're going to find out exactly what I'm talking about. And one day, I got it. It says in there, the great reality lives within. Well, if the great reality lives within, what else is there? And where am I going to go for to know things? If the great reality lives within, obviously I know everything that I can possibly know. And so... I thank Chuck for the things he taught me. Yes, God. What was that? (laughs) Maybe somebody wants this podium. So we've talked about the steps somewhat. We've talked about uh, spirituality and what it might mean to us. What is the disease we suffer from I would think that for some of us for a lot of years we thought it was drinking alcohol I did my mother did the nuns did the Pope did and it turns out that isn't the problem at all the book says it's only the symptom well if that's only the symptom then what is wrong with us in the chapter to the agnostics it tells us what the solution is I think because it says there in that very first paragraph if you wish to stop entirely it's not an exact quote But if you wish to stop entirely, or you're trying to moderate your drinking, you may be suffering from a disease which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Well, if the solution is a spiritual experience, then I have to believe the disease is lack of that thing. And isn't that what step 12 gets at? Step 12 says that is the result of these steps you will wake up spiritually that's the promise again you'll wake up spiritually and I think it, all this is confirmed in step 3 where the problem is completely defined it says the root of the problem is self, self-centeredness Do you ever really read that page 62? I'm sure you did when I got it I mean I couldn't believe what it says It says self is the problem And we have to be rid of self or it kills us God makes that possible That's pretty strong language isn't it And it says That We can't be rid of self by ourselves You can wish and you can try And you can't get rid of self by yourself See it's in that area, how do you get into your insides? How do you make those changes on the inside? How do you make spiritual changes? Well, you don't. I don't. What we do here, I believe, is we're given a way of life, we're given principles to live by, and I think we suit up and show up, and it's through that process that we present ourselves just the way a farmer. He doesn't grow the crops. What he does is prepare the soil and then he puts the seeds in and a power greater than he is grows those crops. And I think that's the way this spiritual growth happens. And that's how we get rid of self and that's why step three becomes so crucial. So where does alcoholism fit? i think alcoholism is really a great blessing if what i have been saying is true that we're on this planet to learn some lessons we're on the planet to wake up spiritually we're here to change we're here to become whole however you want to put that if that is true then i have to believe that alcoholism is a great blessing because I'm not going to go out some morning and say Hey, I think I want to become a a spiritual being I want to practice a spiritual way of life And anybody here? Raise your hand if you one morning said that And I don't see any hands We don't do it that way You see? We have to be brought to our knees We have to be brought to the place where we find out That the way I have been living life Doesn't work I'm not experiencing the good life As a matter of fact If we pursue this disease To the We get to the gates of insanity and death We get to the jumping off place We get to that place Where there are only two alternatives One is to accept spiritual help And the other is to go to the bitter end And if you've ever seen anybody die Of alcoholism You know it's about as bitter a death As as can be Because The way we have behaved and so on People shut the doors to us You know there comes a day when people say You're going down baby And we're not going with you If you won't change You have to leave here And so What I think alcoholism really is It's our way It's God's way of letting us get knocked to our knees I don't think God may You know I don't know if you hear this up Here in Las Vegas I do hear it from time to time in Toronto, you know, about alcoholics being so blessed and, and, you know, we're so special and all that. I think we're special just like everybody is special. What I think we have in common is we get knocked to our rear ends through the process of drinking alcohol and we get to the point where we've got to stop or we're going to die. And I have a friend who's just lost the sight in her eyes That's quite a change in life, isn't it? We know all kinds of people who suffer cancer. We see people who have financial uh, resources, whatever. They lose their money, financial problems. We see a world filled with people who have crises upon crisis. What's that about? I think the same thing applies to them that applies to us. We have to find a new way to see what's going on here, what's really going on on the planet. And so I think bottom is so crucial. Bottom was crucial for me. I thought I had reached bottom in 1966 when I came here. I didn't have a clue where bottom was. Because if I haven't experienced bottom, if I'm not completely out of plans, you know what happens to me? When the going gets tough, I get another plan. I got here in 1966, and when the going got tough, I picked up the drugs. And I was not ready to do this. I wanted this the easy, soft way. And you can't have this thing I'm talking about through an easy, soft way. So, by the time I got here, in 1973, I was at the bottom. There was nothing left for me. I knew that this was the place. If I I was going to have any way of life, this was where I was going to get it. I was going to have to go to any lengths. Half measures would avail me nothing, and that's precisely the way it's been. My answers, my solutions have been found here. So I'd like to talk just for a a few minutes about the steps, but particularly step one. I told you already that in 19... um, I was 21 years sober when I went through a real crisis and I planned suicide and I had another spiritual awakening and I came came back to the steps with a different kind of energy with a different kind of awareness with a different kind of consciousness and I took a look at step one with the help of my sponsor, of course. And I saw something that I had never seen before. Because I, what does step one mean? I've been through that process. I'm powerless over alcohol. Yes, I'm absolutely powerless over alcohol. I have no quarrel with that. And my life is unmanageable. That follows right along with that whole process. What I began to see was something completely different. You know, I'm a teacher by profession. And one of the things that I know being a teacher is this. You can't teach somebody from the place where you are. You have to teach them from the place where they're at. And so you have to know where they're at. And at that place, you can start to bring them along and give them new information. So if I could use this metaphor you know if I say to you the car is a lemon if you don't know what a lemon is you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about if God wants to change me and bring me to a place where I truly know who I am we've got to have a talking place God gave me my information I believe through alcoholism because I believe that's the metaphor through I learned something whereby I learned something about myself. And what I learned at that point in my life was this something crucial about power. I always used to say, I have no power. I don't think that's what the book is saying at all. I think what the book is saying is that I have no power to make the world the way I want it to be. I think what God is really telling us through this is, you're a guest here. You live on my planet. You use my stuff. You live with my life. You're not the boss here. There are other people on the planet that matter. That, I think, is the essence. See, why do we want power? Why do, isn't that the central issue of life? Why do people chase money? Why do people chase stuff? Why do we want big houses? Why do we want big bank accounts? Why do we kill ourselves practically trying to get that stuff? Isn't it that we want power? I always thought men have power because they control the purse strings, because they have money. See, I think it's a real issue of power. And what the book says is, there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. See, and that's what I think I began to see at 21 years sober, was, that's what this is about. Step one, that's the crucial part. And I'll tell you, I believe today that all problems are step one problems. Used to think that I had 75 character defects. I don't believe that anymore. I think i the only time I get into trouble is when I forget That I'm not dancing on this planet alone That I'm not in the center of the peace That there are other people on the planet And they matter And they have as much right to be here as I do And that was the total essence, I think Of what this disease of alcoholism was That ate away at me I'm in the center of the universe I want my way And if I have to walk over you I'll walk over you But I'm going to get what I want and you see, this whole idea that I'm, I'm a guest here, I'll tell you, when I start out my day with that piece of information, and I start out my day meditating on this, that I'm not the boss here, my day goes altogether different, you see? And so that's been a really powerful change for me, to come to that kind of understanding. Um, You know, if we didn't have power There's something else I want to say about that If we didn't have power, we, we wouldn't be alive It takes power to stand here It takes power to sit there It takes power to breathe It takes power to see It takes power for everything that we do But the issue is, whose power is it? And I think the whole problem is we've been misdirecting the power. I don't know if you've ever heard of Carolyn Mace. Carolyn Mace uh, has written some books on healing and um, energy and, and uh, that kind of thing. And what she said in there, she said, Imagine that God gives you a hundred units of energy. How do you distribute them? Do you distribute them in the, in the service of others? Do you distribute them in the service of spiritual growth? Or do you distribute them like this? Maybe 40 of those units I distribute to worrying about the past and wondering what's coming down because of the past. Maybe I use 20 units of that energy to worry about the future. Maybe I use 15 units of that to nurse a grudge. I haven't got much left to live life with, have I? And you see, so it's again the whole business of using our power, redistributing that power in a way that, that allows us then to become happy, joyous, and free. And I think if we see that, the rest of the steps fall into place. If I have no power, I better find out who has the power and how does that thing work on the earth. You see, uh, t- step two becomes kind of easy then because I begin to see that I'm not going to see this power directly I'm going to see it by its results and and every um, every time I go to a meeting to me it's an affirmation of the power because I'm sitting there at a meeting with a bunch of people like yourselves who I say they're alcoholics and they're sober alcoholics and they can't do that by themselves. The book says we can't do it. So obviously, a power has entered their lives. I better get this finished, eh? Or I'm going to be dumped on. <laughs> I'm about next, I think. <laughs> well, I'm just about done anyway. It, it, um, the other day, I saw a course advertised. And I thought, you know, they always, in, in these courses that are advertised, they put down... Uh, the benefits that you're going to receive from doing this course it said we will empower you ever seen that I took the dictionary I looked up empower you know what empower means it means to give power to it says in the book that there is one who has all power that one is God so if I don't have power how am I going to give power to you can't be done See, this whole issue of power brings us right smack into the heart of spiritual growth. We swim in grace. We swim in what this is all about. We let this power in, and I think that that's really what the steps... That's what everything we do here is about. It's a rechanneling of that power, to use that power the way God wants us to. That's what the steps are about. If I believe that I'm part of that power... Why wouldn't I want to make a decision to change my thinking, change my behavior? Why wouldn't I want to take a look at how have I acted in the past? What are the things have I done to the blocking of the flow of that power in my life? Step 6 and 7. How am I going to live now that I see how I have lived in the past and I have a new understanding of life? And eight and nine, I've got to clean it up with people. I've got to pay back the money. I've got to make relationships right. I've got to do my part. I hurt the other dancers on the planet, and I've got to clean up my garbage. And then it says we're left with 10, 11, and 12, where we grow in understanding and effectiveness. To me, what I'm doing on the planet today is I'm growing in an understanding that I'm not the boss. And the more I grow in that understanding, the easier my life gets. The closer I get to that idea of being happy, joyous, and free. And of course, isn't that what Step 11 is encouraging? So we can hear the still, small voice, rather than the raucous voice of the ego. And then in 12, through this process, we will have changed. We will wake up. And spiritual awakening can be defined in so many ways. I think one of the first places where we see spiritual awakening, we wake up to the fact that a power has helped us stay sober, right? And then we start to see other changes in our lives. We start to see, I don't have to behave the way I did before. And changes start to come about, and we start really, the spiritual awakening starts to grow in us. Then we take that message. You know, in, um, when I was in that five-and-a-half-year period in Prince Albert, uh, Cease was my fir- very first sponsor. Cease is sober many years, actually. We'll be celebrating 50 years in um, January. And I think probably he's been here to speak you know, before. He used to send me out to the women's jail, stoned and all, And he says, now I carried the disease rather than the message. What I think it's about is the inner change which puts us squarely in the presence of God. And God delivers to us the life that we need. I look back on my 28 and a half years and I have to tell you this I have never solved one problem. What I have done is this I have come to meetings, I've had a sponsor i read the book i try to help others i sponsor others i do the steps and why it's all part of that business of believed of the bondage of self because i think as you wake up you begin to realize that indeed god is everything i'm part of that great reality like the ocean, the wave is part of the ocean i'm part of it so i'm looked after god is love And that is why what I am then here to express, that's what you're here to express. Love is Alcoholics Anonymous at its best. It's as plain as that. God bless you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, you, Mildred. There was always one more attempt and one more failure the less people tolerated us the more we withdrew from society from life itself as we became subjects of king alcohol shivering denizens denizens of his mad realm the chilling vapor that is loneliness settled down it thickened Ever becoming blacker some of us sought out sordid places hoping to find understanding companionship and approval momentarily we did then would come oblivion and the awful awakening that to face the hideous four horsemen terror bewilderment frustration despair Unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. Now and then, a serious drinker, being dry at the moment, says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better. Work better. Having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers, we smile as, as such a Sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take a half dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again. For he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will find he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it Then he will know loneliness such as few do He will be at the jumping off place He will wish for the end We have shown how we got out from under You say yes I'm willing But Am I to be consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum, like some righteous people I see? I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you sufficient, have you sufficient substitute? Yes, there is a sub- substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus, we find the fellowship, and so will you. Thank you.